0: Hello, hello, welcome, welcome everyone to our next interview. Really excited about having this opportunity to talk with our next guest because we're going to be talking about the balance. We're going to be talking about the challenges of not only running multiple vegan businesses, but raising a family, you know, following our passion. You know, our artist is a, excuse me, our her (laughs) guest today is an artist (laughs) in addition to being an entrepreneur and for many of us we are multifaceted for many of us we do a lot of great things in the world whether we're doing activism running a business you know raising a family and one of the things that many of us are challenged with is trying to figure out how to drive success but at the same time do it without driving burnout without kind of losing our spark and our passion for our businesses. And I'm really excited about today's discussion because I'm going to be asking some questions, maybe tough questions, (laughs) about, you know, how do you do it all? How do you make it all happen? And when I say you, I'm obviously talking to our guest today, Dominique Sides, who is running not just one business, not just two businesses, it's three businesses total, correct? It's actually more than that. I can't wait to hear. All right. So multiple businesses, but it's under the brand of Vegan Bay. And I really want to spend some time talking about the brand, talking about the businesses, and talking about how you built this empire. And did you do it step by step? Did you start with one or two? So as you can tell, I'm full of questions But before maybe we dive into all of those details, let's just give everyone a little bit of background about yourself. You know, how did you start your business or how did you kind of tiptoe your way into being an entrepreneur, especially in the vegan space?
1: Sure. So my entrepreneurship journey started several years ago, actually, and it was in the industry of third-party reproduction, so surrogacy and egg donation. I own an escrow company that manages funds for surrogacy and egg donation. So I learned there really what it was to run a business that extended beyond myself, like have staff and um, people on payroll and all those sorts of things. So that was my crash course in being more than a solopreneur, as people like to call it. Mm -hmm. So I had that company. I helped co-found a school, Houston Sudbury School. So I had that business. And then not too long after going vegan, I opened a vegan grocery store that was primarily online at first called Vegside Market. So I was juggling a few things all part time, if you want to call it that, um, remotely. (laughs) It wasn't until I began the Vegan Bay brand with my now business partner that I expanded tremendously and had this, you know, empire as we've been uh mm-hmm. calling it of Beacon Bay Studios and music group and there's a few other smaller arms to this like we rent cars, we have investment properties, we do publishing for music and yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. <laughs> And it sounds exciting.
0: I'm really happy to hear that there's so much going on because for a lot of people, maybe where you are is their dream. Like people who are listening today, watching today, they want to kind of be where you are. So I'm hoping we can maybe spend some time and talk about how you built it. How did you kind of, as you were building, you know, the music Mm -hmm. portion, as you were maybe even branching out, like saying to real estate or investment and so forth, did you go kind of step-by-step, every few months, every few years, and build this out? Or did you wake up one day and said, we're going to do it all, make it all happen?
1: It definitely started with uh, the studio. So my partner and I had a sort of like a vision casting type conversation. And I was talking about the things that I was already doing, which was the escrow company, the school, and the grocery store. And he said, you know, what is it that you really want to do? Like beyond that, you have those things running and they're doing well and, you know, they don't really need your hands on them on a day to day basis. So what do you really want to do? And I said, I want to get back to music. And I had been separated from music for at least like 10 years. And um, He had been in music before, too, and he said, let's build a studio. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you're crazy. But out of my mouth, I said, "Okay." (laughs) So before I knew it, we were building actually this room that I'm in now. It was the very first room that we opened in January 2020, which, as most people know, was two months before quarantine. Yes. So um, we opened our first room January 2020. Every couple months. Even with quarantine, we found a need where we would expand. So uh, a few months later, we opened a second room, which is across the hall from me now that we call the live room. And at first we were using it for photography, developing our own content because everybody was in quarantine. So we were using that time to build and grow with each other, like content and stuff like that for the businesses or for our own personal use. But when people started to venture out and um, needed a a platform or a company to facilitate taking their in-person events like church or conferences or classes and any of those things and transform them uh, to virtual events, we were already equipped to do that uh, because my partner is very well versed in digital media. So he was a photographer and a videographer. So he's like, oh... I can handle this. I know everything about streaming and whatnot. So we took on a few clients doing conferences, pastors who had midweek messages or Sunday messages that they wanted to, you know, uh, stream online, people who wanted to conduct classes or talks or build virtual courses and things like that. So we pivoted. I mean, everyone had to really, you know, So that's what we did during that time while producing our own music. So we were working on our own music and we ended up putting out several projects. And while we were doing that, we were expanding in this space and it wasn't until probably March of this year. So we're saying like two years that we ended up occupying the entire building, which is 17,000 square feet.
0: That's (laughs) huge. Yes. (laughs) That is huge. And I love that you mentioned That you grew out of the need. I think a lot of times when we build businesses, sometimes we grow out of just ideas and we Mm -hmm. forget to loop it back to the need that people have in making sure it's that match and that kind of can create that sustainability in businesses. Now you've been singing the music. I just want to kind of clarify, what kind of music are you producing?
1: All kinds of music. Um, We have a label, Vegan Bay Music Group. And on it, there are seven artists, including myself and my business partner. And four or five of them, let's see, are in the Christian gospel inspirational space. And then there's the pop. So I'm urban pop. We have a Latin pop. And then my partner and I have a group together together. That we call the collective that's in the inspirational gospel space where we feature other artists on the projects like a compilation type situation so yeah perfect
0: perfect oh i'm gonna have to get my hands on some music i i see so what's like. in my future so a couple of questions about the brand a lot of times i get questions from people you know, about, you know, how are these vegan businesses? And sometimes it's cynical, but sometimes it's really even from the vegan movement because for a lot of people, when they think vegan, they think food, they think restaurant. And I've been on this lifelong mission, I feel like, educating people that a vegan business is so diverse, it should be in every industry, you know, I could just go on and on. But I'd love to hear it from you on how do you kind of infuse veganism into your brands, into the label, into really all the work that you're doing? How do you make that happen? And how do you make sure that kind of vegan element kind of shines through?
1: So for me, veganism is a lifestyle. And when I talk to people about it, I usually come from this, this angle that it's about a compassion mindset. So I say, you know, I have compassion for other beings, animals and humans, um, compassion for the planet and compassion for myself. So when I take these businesses that are in no way related to food... <laughs> and say, these are vegan based companies, it's because they share a core value. So my staff is not necessarily vegan. My partner is not vegan. They eat plant based, you know, with me, and they respect that I'm vegan. But it comes back to the compassion mindset, essentially. So while everything in our space is actually vegan friendly, every piece of furniture, every rug, every anything that comes in this building, <laughs> even even within our other companies like um, the car rental space, you know, we do high end vehicles and some have leather, but we use resale. We don't buy new because we're not creating new demand, which is another way that people, you know contribute to the idea of you know not causing harm to animals so it already exists no new demand let's recycle this or reuse this extend its life you know that kind of thing so there are so many ways that the ideals behind a vegan lifestyle are infused into the decisions that we make for the company but at the core it's a compassion mindset.
0: And I love that. I love that you're talking about how much the decisions that you're making are grounded in that vegan and that compassionate in that mindset, because I think sometimes people forget that when they're thinking about a career, when they're thinking about as a vegan, what kind of business to start, I think people sometimes feel like they're forced into maybe the food industry, and that's not where their expertise lie. And I'm hoping some people are maybe listening to today's interview and feeling inspired and understanding that we can change the world. We can save animals. We can bring compassion. We can also bring a completely different perspective to the table when a vegan owner or co-owner is at the table, when someone is making those decisions that has and is grounded, like you said, in those ethical decisions. So I'm so glad you, you touched on that. I also had a comment come in. Um, Samantha or Sam, as I know her well, said she really loves this kind of out of box thinking. Thanks, Sam, for, for dropping by. So, as we dig a little bit deeper, as we talk about day to day and we start to maybe talk about this balance, how do you balance it all? How do you find a way to not only run these businesses, but also be an artist yourself? I mean, that takes time and dedication. in addition to family and all those things. So what's your kind of approach to making sure that everything gets the time it needs without it taking too much from you and you not being able to perform at your best?
1: Well, I'm never going to be the one to say I have it all together because I definitely don't. Uh, (laughs) It's, you know, every day we're learning. And honestly, if we're not learning, then we might as well be dead. Like, Seriously. It's a fine line. Balance is a fine line. Figuring out, you know, how much time and energy is okay to invest in different areas of your life when you know that whatever you put in one place takes away from other places because you only your capacity has a a limit. You know what I'm saying? We're we're all human in that. But the, there is no way I could do the things that I'm doing without the support system that I have. My kids are teenagers and up. They have seen me uh, live my life for other people for a long time. And for them sitting down and having the conversation, like this is what I want to do now, you know, or these are the ways that I want to make an impact. I also, first of all, they respect that. When I can sit down and talk with them and be honest with them and let them know how I truly feel, they very much respect that. The other thing is I try to include them as much as I can, as much as they want, if that makes sense. I have uh, one kid who works here at the studio. To keep balance in the parent-child relationship versus the staff-CEO relationship, they don't report to me. But I get to see them here. So, you know, it's really nice to pass your kid in the hallway or, you know, when they come to work, they get a hug or vice versa. It's really That's really nice. (laughs) Um, It is
0: nice. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So I understand exactly what you mean of being around. And also the things I learned from being able to observe are just priceless.
1: Exactly. I was shooting a music video on Friday and I had my youngest kid who is 15 on set. All day with me now they were bored most of the day because uh we were shooting outside and it was so hot (laughs) that there was no way you know it was reasonable to be outside if you didn't have to be however it gave them a different appreciation for what it is i do all day when i'm on set because they don't know they don't know what all goes into what it is that you do they don't know how much money you invest how much time you invest But we got an opportunity to talk about all of that. Like, you know, I'm really putting my best foot forward here because guess what? How much this costs? You know, it's it's cost this many thousands of dollars to do this thing. And it's like, ah, you know, but they had no idea unless they're there and seeing for themselves and able to ask the questions. And and that was really special to me and important um, that we had that time together but my, my business partner really pushes me to stick to the commitments I've made to myself. My mother and my sister, they moved back to Houston specifically to help me and to help facilitate, you know, me being able to do the things that I needed to do so that I wouldn't have to worry about my children um, getting back and forth to where they need to go or just having a, an adult presence, someone that loves and Cares about them that they trust, you know, someone around when I travel, things like that. So, if it weren't for my support system, I wouldn't be able to do any of the things that I'm doing. Not really. <laughs> but I love that you talk about support systems because
0: sometimes when we think that we have to like run a business, you know, be there for our family, be there for our community, we start to put like the cape on and we think we have to kind of become this like super human figure and do it all, as opposed to trying to build that support system so that there is balance, so that we all kind of share those responsibilities. And then also it creates a little bit of a camaraderie and also an opportunity for everyone to help everyone. It doesn't kind of make it, you know, make it that there's one person at the top doing it all. There's really an opportunity for everyone to jump in and participate and contribute. And I think That can be an amazing space when you're running a business, when you're starting a business, especially as entrepreneurs, having that opportunity to build a group of people around you, family, even people that work for you, and even people in the community themselves can really create a business that has like a long lasting impact.
1: One thing that I think a lot of people struggle with, because I know this because I did, is asking for or accepting the help. You know, yes, the cape that you talked about like, essentially i I felt like i I needed to do all the things I had to do all the things why why couldn't I do all the things be everything to everybody, you know uh show up all the time? no was not in my vocabulary, any of that, and then I realized that I had nothing left for myself. I had nothing left to really give anyone at the end of the day because I wasn't refueling at all. And I felt lonely and unappreciated and, and not supported. But when I took a moment and thought about it, I realized that I played a part in that because oh. when did I give people the opportunity to support me? I did not ever really tell anyone about anything that I had going on or express that I needed help because I didn't trust that anyone would show up. So I didn't give them the opportunity to disappoint me. However, (laughs) I said, okay, I have to shift this mindset because I'm never going to get any of the things I want to do done if I think that I, you know, have to accomplish them alone. And then who will I share those accomplishments with if I'm here trying to do it all by myself? You know, so building a team within your infrastructure is important, but building a team amongst your inner circle or community or support system, that's equally as important.
0: Absolutely. And I love what you said about having someone to share those accomplishments with, you know, that celebration, that opportunity to remember, to reminisce and so forth. It's such a magical thing. And I think sometimes we forget or people miss that that opportunity or miss that step in the process because, you know, they're thinking that, They can only be the person that they can rely on. Sam just dropped in another comment. I just wanted to say hello. I didn't realize, Sam, she had entrepreneurial parents too. It's so interesting. You know, we do these interviews. I learned so much about not only our guests, but people that join us as well. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the pivoting. Let's talk a little bit more about how you've been kind of navigating these businesses over the last couple of years. And the reason I want to spend a little time here is for a lot of people, you know, you have the dream of what your business could be or the dream of what you want it to be. But then as you start to pivot, as you start to find other needs, sometimes your business becomes something different and you have to either re-fall in love with that new business or you have to get comfortable with the idea that business is kind of ebb and flow. Like what you wrote on paper on whatever date that was may not be the business that you have in the end. And that may be a beautiful thing. But I I just want to talk a little bit about that if you have any insight on maybe how much your business has changed or transformed and how's that transformation really been an amazing part of your growth and journey.
1: While your business... Changing can be a, a beautiful thing it, it it is also something that you may grieve <laughs> because Good. because you get married to your ideas you know because for you, it's like the most amazing idea ever you know and then you don't want to abandon that because you just knew that it was the thing you were supposed to be doing. But I learned a lot about being agile because that is not my personality. <laughs> Not not innately, that is not who I am. I, I really had to learn about being agile and and bending and flowing, taking you know whatever's going on and adapting you know and and that took a lot for me because my personality is very rigid uh, when it comes to plans and business and things like that. So being in a production space tests All of that challenges all of that because production is unpredictable. And for people who thrive in this space, it's they work off that adrenaline. And but for people like me, it's like, ah, you know, pull your hair out or something. I don't know. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot. The pivot, the pivot is important. The pivot was important for me because it grew me as a person and it grew me as an entrepreneur. I ended up in a space that I knew nothing about, absolutely not a thing, you know, and within a couple months, here I was, you know, setting up rooms for podcasts and things like that, knowing exactly which equipment to pull, exactly which cables to pull, how to, you know, all the settings and, you know, setting up rooms for recordings. And I didn't know any of those things, but it was necessary for me to learn, you know, because our business changed and... If you don't have the infrastructure which during a pandemic is very difficult to you know maintain <laughs> staff and things like that you have to fill in the gaps you have to figure it out. so I just I watched I watched everything that my business partner was doing and I mimicked I was like okay I think he did this I think he did that I'm, you know it, it was really important to me for no matter what the business turned into for it to be successful. And I knew for it to be successful, I had to be uh, invested. Like my time, my energy, my attention, I had to be invested. So I had to learn.
0: I love that. I love that because I think for a lot of people, they struggle with that idea of success. Like, what does it take? And while there's a, such a huge element of passion, I think your list about being dedicated, being focused, you know, willing to learn, these things are so equally as important as that passion piece because those are the things that you're often going to need on a daily basis. You're going to need tomorrow, like you said, to pull those cords. Those things are going to come up um, and it's going to be important that you really find a way to learn and grow. And I guess my next question is on that same line of growth. I think for a lot of people, it's a hard decision on when to grow, like when to take the next project when to expand into a space you haven't done before. For a lot of people, making those decisions is just very difficult. So either they opt out of decisions and they just push it down the road. <laughs> or, you know, they really just have a hard time trying to decide, am I ready to grow? And I know for some of our audience, they've been in business for a while and they might be at a crossroads. They might be at a place right now where they're trying to decide, should I invest? should I take on a new platform? Should I do something different? Do you have any advice for them or at least some words of wisdom, how you found where to grow and what your next step would be?
1: I feel like most people deep down know exactly what they're supposed to do. They hear it within themselves. They feel it. I think the hesitance makes some people question, you know, if, if, Should I move forward or not? And and it's it's a fear, but it's not it's not a fear rooted in anything real, like, you know, tangible. It's not. There's a risk, but if you aren't willing to take the risk, then how can you reap the reward? Really? You have to take the risk. Knowing, knowing when has more to do with knowing why you're hesitating. So you really have to examine if your hesitation is rooted in logic, like you know what? I really don't have the resources, and I've exhausted all avenues, and I don't have a way to come up with the resources. I don't know anyone who can help me find the resources. Like you really have to search inside. Like is is this hesitance rooted in a logical? reason and it just i just need more time or is it rooted in a fear of maybe failure maybe um not really feeling comfortable enough to put yourself out there you know in front of people you know and i say in front of people in a figurative way like mm-hmm. when people know that you've set this particular goal or you're you're trying to do this one thing and then it doesn't happen are you scared of what people will say if it doesn't actually happen? Or I had this conversation with a few people. Are you scared that it will work? Yes. yes. That's it. Because, yeah. because if it does work, then that means you have to maintain, you have to show up like consistently or figure out what to do next that follows up the thing that worked. And, and so for a lot of people, they're not There's not, it's not a fear of failure. It's a fear of success because they don't know what that feels like. And, you know, some people just, they're comfortable in, in the chaos or in the, uh, or even mediocrity. You know, they're they're like, this is what I know. I'm comfortable here. They're not comfortable up here. They don't know what that feels like. And as soon as they can touch it, they do something to sabotage it because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But if you can get past yourself, because that's usually your biggest roadblock, <laughs> then you can do just about anything. <laughs> I so agree.
0: I so agree. I talked to a lot of people that have those fears. And like you said, sometimes they're not even grounded in anything that's real. Meaning it's not a real experience that they've had before. It's not something that is really happening It's just that, you know, things got a little bit mixed up and now they're believing kind of an alternative reality. And it's, it's amazing how that fear can really keep people from doing something that they really ultimately are, are destined to accomplish.
1: Yes. Yep. It's the thing that separates the ones you admire from everyone else. It's that thing. And everyone's like, what if you listen to all the talks, you go to all the seminars, you take all the classes, you follow all the inspirational people, you read their books, you're like, what is the thing, thing, the key, you know, what is that secret? And it's not a secret. <laughs> it's just, they're just consistent. And they keep showing up and doing the thing, the uncomfortable thing over and over and over again. That's what makes them different.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I think not only do some people need to hear it, some people need to be reminded of it because we either can plateau in our businesses at times and get in, like we find a new comfort space and we're like, oh, okay, I'm going to settle in right here. <laughs> I've been uncomfortable for a while. Now I'm going to just get cozy. And <laughs> hopefully today it's been reminding people that you have to go to that next level And I'm also hoping it's helping anyone who is struggling, who's having some difficulty. And if you are, use the comments for this interview and ask questions. Because I think sometimes, you know, we don't always as leaders allow people kind of behind the scenes to let them know that everyone gets fears. Everyone can have anxiety about things. Everyone can have that hesitation, like you said. But the difference is diving deep finding out what that is, addressing it, and then still moving forward, even though you might've had that that issue, that challenge, that hesitation. So absolutely love it, love it, love it that we discussed that. So as we're wrapping up today, I know for a lot of people, they probably still have more questions, but I wanna make sure they can get in touch with you. Um, Especially I'm excited you're in the Houston area. I ended up there a couple of times, so I'm hoping we'll be able to meet in person one day. But let's give everyone websites, social media handles. How can they get in touch with you? How can they access your music as well? And then I'll come back for my final question right after that.
1: Sure. So um, my Instagram profile is Vegan Bay Dom. So V G N B A E D O M. I post there about everything that I have going on. So the business stuff, the music stuff, The Luxury Vegan, which is uh, my website, theluxuryvegan.com. It's a concierge style consultancy where I help people transition to this compassion mindset that I'm talking about. Um, I'm actually going on a trip at the end of this week to South Africa. It's a curated vegan trip. And that's part of the things that I do with the thought leaders of the world is, you know, curate these luxury vegan experiences So they can maintain the lifestyle that they've become accustomed to, but incorporate the elements of veganism that I feel like are wholly attainable. (laughs) But if you want to find me on Facebook, it's just my name, Dominique Side. Um, I have pages for all of my businesses. So any of them, (laughs) surrogacy, escrow, account management, Houston Sudbury School, Vegan Bay Music Group, Vegan Bay Studios, The Luxury Vegan, everything is there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Follow them um, all. Follow them all. We're all over the place. I'm all over the place. but vegan Bay Dom on insta, that's my like primary way that I communicate with everyone and that they communicate with me. Perfect. And as we wrap up
0: today's session, do you want to let anyone know about any current projects or anything new that you're working on? And Absolutely. then any final words of wisdom as we wrap up?
1: So um, for Vegan Bay Music Group, we always have music coming out. I write and produce and I sing. And so, you know, I have a hand in everybody's projects, you know, for everything that comes out of the label. We've got some gospel projects that came out. The Collective Revival came out in April. We've got Anthony Hall. His debut album just came out, Roosevelt, in May. We have Andres Castro, our Latin pop artist. He His single, Dale Pa Mi, came out um, a couple of weeks ago. We have something coming up from Nikita Fox, who's very well known in the gospel community. We have some upcoming projects from Michael Dixon, who's gospel, me, who's not, and Tatiana Barnett. <laughs> so, you know, just follow Vegan Baby Music Group. There's always something. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Dominique, I'm so grateful we had this time to chit-chat
0: and talk. I'm glad we got a chance to get to know each other and also our audience got to get to to get to know you and also an opportunity to get inspired by you, an opportunity to push past those fears, an opportunity to get comfortable with pivoting and structure, but knowing that with structure comes flexibility in all of us, you know, me included because I love structure too, you know, how much you got to have a little bit of, you know, room in those plans to adjust. And it's also just grateful. I'm just grateful to hear about how you have built the support system around your business, how you really have created this wonderful space that not only supports you, supports your family, supports the business, and also supports the movement. So thank you for everything that you do. Sam just jumped in and said, great conversation. Thanks so much, Sam. So glad that you joined us. And thank you everyone else who joined us live. Thank you so much for people who are going to be listening to this as a podcast. We're always checking messages and notes, so feel free to post them even after you finish watching the live session because we'll jump in and if there's any questions, we will forward them on as well. So thank you once again for being my guest today and we will wrap up today's interview and we'll see everyone in our next interview. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening to Pivot our vegan business interview podcast. This is recorded as a live streaming session. So I hope you'll join us for future interviews as well. We offer these interviews to help vegan entrepreneurs stay connected with the vegan business community. If you're interested in more in-depth insights or training, please consider subscribing to one of our premium podcasts, Going Solo or Fix It. Visit veganmainstream.com to learn more or click on the links in the show notes.